You are listening to Hydro Talks, a podcast from the global aluminium producer Hydro, setting out to explore the modern dilemmas for industry and society. Welcome to Hydro Talks. My name is Halvor Mollan, and with me today we have uh, Head of EU Affairs, Renu Sagrov Mysterud, and Head of Sustainability, Bjorn Kjetil Mauritsen. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Today we are talking about European Green Deal, uh, which is a set of policy initiatives brought forward by the EU. And the President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, stated that the European Green Deal would be Europe's man-on-the-moon moment. And uh, Renaug, is this the moment for for Europe? Wow, that was a fantastic thing to say. Uh, Of course, Green Deal is extremely ambitious. And it came from the fact that uh, after the EU elections in May 2019, we got a parliament that was uh, more fragmented than before, as many European parliaments. Uh, The Conservatives and the Social Democrats uh, do not longer have majority in the parliament. So for von der Leyen to become elected and accepted as uh, commission president, she had to uh, promise a very comprehensive agenda. And in the parliament, it was a much larger um, group of Greens uh, this uh, in this election. So her promises on climate was uh, much higher than the, that we have seen in the past. So this was basically an, uh, a promise made in an election campaign. Yeah, you can say that. Because, but uh, I think it also comes from the fact that everyone now uh, recognize to a much larger extent the challenge that we have ahead something is really need to be done and that is ac- acknowledged by almost all uh, political parties as well so uh, but of course they have different uh, trajectories and plans for how to do this but in this uh, promise in the parliament when she was accepted and the commission was accepted there was a lot of promises and this has then ended up in the green deal that she uh, launched as a kind of a vision for the uh, EU uh, that she launched uh, December 19 very comprehensive. And what is happening now with this Green Deal? She launched uh, this uh, vision December 19 and also a roadmap for 50 initiatives. 50 initiatives, very concrete on what they want to do, but of course this has to be filled with a lot of uh, comprehensive work on designing of politics. This is about designing politics of how we are to live in Europe. And the interesting thing is that this is this is not only about climate targets, not about being ambitious on, on reduci- reducing emissions. It's also Europe- Europe's growth strategy. And that means a very clear uh, recognition of the need for industry and business to be part of this. And so also people. So, so this, be- this is business and climate hand in hand? Yes, and people, and that's the nice mm. thing. It's climate, and it's uh, it's uh, industry, and it's uh, people. Mm. Bjorn Kjetil, you are head of sustainability in, in Hydro. How do you see this? No, I think uh, Rönnag uh, brings up some bring up some important point, and I think what we're seeing now is, is, is maybe the first time that we see this comprehensive package, but that's also, uh, I think, is the signal and um, evidence that you know now policymakers are really seeing that if we are going to 
to combat climate change if we're really going to change society, reduce emissions dramatically as we need. Uh, you need to look at the whole society. So it's not not just uh, putting in standards in on one sector or, or you know for industry, transport or, or whatever. Now we are looking. This is like a holistic approach, and I think uh, what's interesting now is we're also seeing. Uh, more interest from customers. They are asking what is the footprint of the product that we're buying. And equally important, we are also seeing interest from investors now. They want to test uh, different companies uh, if they are, uh, you know, when when they project 10, 20 or 30 years uh, ahead, you know, is this company, is this share, is this really climate resilient? Will they be more or less profitable going forward? So I think we're now seeing uh, a much more comprehensive and, and, and holistic approach to, to the whole climate uh, area as such. Mm. Hydro is, is a company that produces aluminium, consumes a lot of power, and it's also uh, an, uh, in a global uh, competition. So how, how will this impact the industry in Europe versus the, the other regions of the world? Yeah, I think that's... A very fair fair issue to raise because uh, EU is definitely world leading when it comes to, to to climate and environmental policy, setting very high standards. Uh, that's good because uh, industry then uh, needs to be forward leaning and, and improve. And I think European industry is doing this. But of course, there is always the danger that if EU regu- regulation regulation legislation goes too far you might erode and reduce the competitiveness of European industry. So, and, and that's why we need to find this balance. So, because there isn't really much point in developing uh, state-of-the-art new technology if it's too expensive and it will not be used anywhere else in the world. And you might even shut down because your products are too expensive. So, so this balance between uh, being forward-leaning, being, you know, leading the way, uh, but also ensuring that competitiveness for European industry is is taken care of. So, but I think that's the discussion we we are having now. Uh, and I think, but I think generally there is a good understanding in the EU on on on, on this. Yes, I think I think, and that's very interesting to see. I think uh, we see now a better understanding of how industry works, which is extremely important. And that also may uh, is probably because EU has been regulating industry for a long, long time. Emissions uh, has been regulated. ETS, for example, that was launched in 2005, covers between 40 and 50% of the all, all emissions in the EU. Uh, and so industry is better understood now, and they have carbon leakage measure, measures that they are working on. That is extremely important to maintain comp- competitiveness. But what they are also now looking more into is the demand side, as Bjorn Kjetil is saying, a more holistic uh, approach. And now in March, we are expecting the Circular Economy Action Plan to be uh, launched. And that one is very interesting because that is going to... Uh, there is regulations and there is different kind of push towards more sustainable demand and uh, to create this demand for products with lower carbon footprint and uh, for recycling etc I think is very interesting for the manufacturing industry and certainly for aluminium. Do you see a big interest in um, creating this more sustainable uh, demand? That is, uh, I would say, that is a big talk today uh, in today in Brussels because, as I said, we have been regulating industry emissions for a long, long time. 
and we ha- and that's going to be uh, very hard going forward also to uh, it's going to be a lot of regulations on emissions reduction from industry so that is something that we definitely have to discuss both technology wise and competitive wise but uh, the the regulations that will come on demand, how we can move demand towards uh, more sustainable products, because that we ha- there that's an area where we have very good uh, opportunities in Europe. We have a growing renewable base. Uh, Europe has very strong uh, ambitions for decarbonizing the power sector. Uh, energy co- is the major part of the um, uh, emission redu- uh, or the emissions that we have today. Uh, so and this power base industry is based on this power sector. Uh, so if the power sector decarbonizes, that's an interesting uh, starting point for uh, manufacturing industry in Europe. Mm. Yeah, and I think uh, just picking up on on where Ronald left off, I think up until now regulation uh, has been you know focusing on you know uh, putting in standards uh, uh, caps on on emissions and i think that's been important and necessary but i think the next step now to take this uh, even further we need to focus more on information how do we inform consumers what they're buying because i think a lot of consumers actually want to buy i think a lot of consumers would rather buy uh, material that is recycled uh, but then they need to be informed what is recycling, what is the recycled content of the products they are buying. Uh, we have some examples already, uh, especially from the aluminium industry, where we have introduced something called Circal, which where we guarantee that 75% of the metal in this product has been used before, so-called post-consume scrap. Uh, so I think, I think a lot of customers wants this information uh, a lot of companies wants to provide this information and i think now we just need to find out ways how to ensure that this information is conveyed to the consumers uh, easily understandably and also with some sort of uh, standards behind it so so we avoid uh, greenwashing and 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 maybe companies that are not sustainable claiming that they're su- sustainable so i think so i think that's that's important going forward yeah. we, we see that um, many in the industry uh, are talking about this uh, green type metal and uh, the the customers uh, are demanding this but are they willing to also to, to pay for this uh, a premium for this metal as it, it has to be made investments in, in the companies and also to distinguish this from the from the other metal, or is the, the, do they just expect that the, the metal is uh, is green and sustainable? No, I think uh, they are. We are seeing some willingness to pay now, uh, which is good. Uh, but I think maybe in this phase, the most important thing is really just to to get some sort of recognition that there is difference. Uh, for instance, in aluminium, uh, the global average of aluminium is almost 18 kilo CO2 per kilo aluminium, while as the most of the metal that we are producing is below four kilos. Uh, And I think a lot of customers don't even know that there is a big difference because uh, the properties of the metal, and it looks exactly the same, whether it's it's green or, or should I say, black, uh, you can't can't see it. So so I think just to get this information out there, I think is a big value both to customers and, of course, also for those companies that can actually deliver sustainable solutions. When you meet customers, what do they tell you about uh, about these uh, offerings with the Sarkal and, and the Luxa there, when you explain that? 
Well, uh, a lot of the customers are uh, are interested in this, but uh, uh, you know, some some customers are a little bit ahead of the curve here as well, as in, and so 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 not everyone uh, is 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 that interested, but but some of them are, and, and we see a growing demand and growing interest. So I think uh, this is really important. Now, this is something we've seen just the last couple of years, and and really. I would say grow in strength just the last six months. So, so this is really positive. But I think this is something, uh, as we talked about earlier, this is just, uh, you know, I think now peop- sustainability is really coming very high on the agenda. Uh, you see, as I said, customers, policymakers, uh, and investors are talking more about this. And I also think what we're seeing now is that sustainability is really an integrated part of how policymakers are planning society the next decades and we are doing the same in Hydro. sustainability is now integrated in all the business areas that we have targets on a lot of important areas and 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 we are also seeing you know just internally in Hydro that you know we are getting a lot of good uh, suggestions a good performance uh, based on sustain- sustainability criteria. Mm. René, when you are in, in Brussels and, and in the meetings you have, how do you how is, is the uh, aluminium industry perceived there? Uh, are we a uh, front runner or are we uh, laggards in, in the sustainability uh, area? Uh, I like to say that uh, we are uh, front runners and actually it's nice to hear also from uh, external um People saying that uh, Professor Thomas Vince uh, has been uh, working with the twenty fifty roadmap for the non-ferrous metals uh, industry, and he used uh, bellwether as a uh, as a um, description of the non-ferrous industry because this industry has been um, electro-intensive always. That means that it has always looked at energy efficiency. Uh, measures and uh, has had this huge competition globally that it has uh, pushed this industry to be very extremely efficient. Um, So in that context, uh, we could say we are front runners. But I think also I'm very proud to represent Hydro, uh, which has also done this next step of uh, developing products, brands, uh, that has a uh, a label uh, with carbon footprint. Because we have to do our uh, our steps, and the politicians have to do their steps, and customers have to do their steps, and then step by step, we can uh, develop uh, a uh, better uh, or lower carbon society. Now we see that uh, the Green Deal ha- has its targets to to be carbon neutral by 2050 in Europe, uh, and Björn Kjetil uh, Hydro has set its own targets. Uh, what are they? Uh, well, we have uh, recently uh, developed uh, and uh, new targets, uh, and we're our main target is to reduce uh, CO two emission greenhouse gases by thirty percent in by twenty thirty. Uh, so we have um, we already have a lot of renewables in our portfolio, but we still have process emissions, and we now need to to look into those. And I think this is also an apart, important part of the green deal is really technology, uh, because. We have seen, uh, you know, technology is really now m- making its new technologies making its way into the power sector with solar and wind. Uh, so emissions from the power sector are going down, yeah, uh, which is important for electro-intensive industry, as as Rano said. But I think we still have some 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 sectors. Aluminium is one of them where we also need to look at the process emissions. And so far, we don't have. Uh, 
uh, any kind of readily available technology to take those emissions to zero. We have been reducing those emissions uh, with 70% uh, since 1990, but we're now getting kind of close to the theoretical limit. So what we now need is more, I think, more public and private uh, partnership on developing new technology on these hard to abate sectors. Because if we're going to go all the way to zero, we need to remove everything, not just uh, not just renew by 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 having 100% renewable energy in, in our portfolio. But I think uh, the process emissions also needs to be, be taken care of. Yes, and uh, getting to the end here, uh, René, do you think the uh, Green Deal targets set out uh, by EU by 2050 is achievable? Carbon neutral continent in 2050, it's extremely hard to say, but uh, and man and the moon, uh, hard to say, but it's extremely exciting going forward because this is a huge discussion between politics and industry and people because uh, it's not only about politics and it's then great to represent a company that is really doing and has been doing for a long time and then uh, can uh, continue this discussion with politicians and with people to, uh, to uh, help uh, this uh, agenda. Nubion Hetel, do you think we will be able to achieve Hydro's sustainability targets going forward? I definitely think so, and I think uh, we are uh, already on a good way to to our targets on towards 2030. But I think we we, we already now we need also to start thinking about 2050, and I think uh, Europe can be carbon neutral in in, in 2050. That's uh, that's possible. Okay, then we came to the end. Thank you very much for joining both of you and. Uh, Stay tuned for the next uh, Hydro Talks podcast. Thank you for listening to Hydro Talks. Make sure to subscribe. If you have any feedback or comments, get in touch at podcast at hydro.com.